Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle, Giroud! It's two! Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 18th of April 2016. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On this week's show, Kieran Gibbs takes us back to some early footballing memories. Ladies star Kelly Smith calls in to talk about their FA Cup semi-final victory over Sunderland. And we go behind the scenes at the club once more in our monthly feature, Access Arsenal. But let's kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal entertained Crystal Palace on Sunday, knowing that nothing less than three points would be enough to keep their title challenge alive. And they had to wait until the clock had ticked into the first minute of time added on at the end of the first half before finally breaking the deadlock, Alexis scoring his third goal in as many games. Got back-to-back braces against West Brom and Sunderland not so long ago. This is Alexis looking to come forward with a header! Hennessy caught in no man's land, a goal from absolutely nothing as he was curled inside the penalty area. Alexis had it all to do, but he somehow rises highest and then just places the ball over the onrushing Hennessy. And it's Arsenal 1, Crystal Palace 0. Alexis is going to get all the credit, but you've got to give a huge thank you to his teammate Danny Welbeck there. Not only does he not give up when Arsenal lose possession, he wins it back off Scott Dan. And he just gets his head up straight away, sees the run from Sanchez, was really alive to it, gets the wrong side of the Crystal Palace fullback, and just floats one over the top. And he, see, and he knows he's coming out. Wayne Hennessy does Alexis Sanchez and just nods it over the top of him for a really brilliant finish. Arsenal found it difficult to build on that goal in the second half, though, and they were made to pay with eight minutes left to play. Adibayo over on that left hand side in a foot race with Gabriel. He controls. Still has possession, edge of the penalty area. It's with Balassi still going, does get the shot away. Oh, and he's found his way into the corner. And Crystal Palace have managed to get an equaliser here. And it's a stunning strike from Balassi. And it's Arsenal 1, Crystal Palace 1. That goal all but ended Arsenal's slim title hopes. And after the game, Arsene Wenger faced the media. I don't believe that today is about leadership. It's about... uh, uh, scoring the second goal and uh, stopping the, the goal, uh, we gave a little bit uh, a goal of a way that was avoidable. And uh, overall, uh, that's the regret of the day. We knew it was down to not get frustrating and uh, not make a mis- defensive mistake. And in the end, uh, 
must say as well, we have the players who can take advantage of every counter-attack. They are quick and powerful. And uh, even at 1-0, they never came out, really. The boss also spoke about his team not being able to create enough chances on the day. So I think uh, there's a difference. Usually we create quite a high number of goal chances, but I agree with you that today, uh, despite the high level of possession we had, we didn't create enough chances. I think uh, we lacked a bit uh, uh, sharpness on the day and uh, maybe as well a little bit uh, free flow in our head, you know, free confidence in our head after the result on, at West Ham where we felt we had absolutely to do the job today and uh, in the end we didn't play with enough uh, pace in, in the final third. So a disappointing afternoon at the Emirates on Sunday, but Arsenal have the chance to put that right come Thursday with the visit of West Bromwich Albion. That's the final word on this weekend's action, but next we'll talk to Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs started his career in the Wimbledon Academy before rising through the ranks at Arsenal. He spoke to Arsenal media's Max Jones about his earliest football memories. Do you remember your first footballing memory? Um, playing or watching? Either or. Either or. Yeah. Um, playing was probably yeah, as, long, as young as I can remember when you can just about walk really. I've, I was told that I was playing. Um, but yeah, I remember my garden um, of my first house um, that I grew up in and I remember just going in the garden on my own all the time and playing football whenever I could really. Playing with your brother as well, do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. My brother used to play, he was, he was more, he used, to, he used to come when he had nothing else to do. Um, but we, yeah, we used to play. We used to play in the garden together, and um, but I was probably the one that would always come out. I'd be out the longest on my own, um, and then yeah, mum calls you in for dinner or whatever. Uh, you were an Arsenal fan growing up, but Wimbledon was was the team that you were playing for. Do you remember much about following both of those uh, both of those teams at the same time? Yeah, <coughs> um, I remember. When we first joined Wimbledon, we used to be able to go and uh, ball boy at the stadium at Salas Park when we used to share it with Crystal Palace. So, obviously, uh, I followed Arsenal, um, but Wimbledon was the team that I was able to go and watch every week, so I became a, a big fan of, of them. Um, and obviously, when you got to train on a Saturday, you would go to Richardson Evans, which was where the first team would, would be training. And so obviously when you get to meet the players and stuff, it was like a, it was, it was a massive deal for us when we was that age. And um, yeah, I, I suppose we knew, we used to watch Arsenal obviously whenever they were you know, on telly, but I mean now every, everywhere is, is broadcasted massively. Back then it, it was hard to be able to get to watch, watch them all the time. So um, obviously Wimbledon, um, I remember the team and the players and yeah, every time we used to go down there on a Saturday to Sellers Park, it was, it was an amazing experience at that age. Do you remember the first Arsenal game that you went to? The first Arsenal game? I remember eight, I don't remember my first one. I remember I, w I went to watch Arsenal against Preston North End. 
not sure, must have been in, the, I don't know if it was in the Cup or it was, it was at Highbury and I probably was about nine, nine or ten. I watched, I went to Highbury and watched Arsenal against Fiorentina. I'm guessing that was in the Champions League um, or in, in Europe. And yeah, they were the two, they were the two games that I watched at Highbury when I was a, when I was a kid. Okay. Um, who were your first favourite players? Were there any players that you, you knew that you had their name on the back of your shirt or anything? So, obviously, being at Wimbledon, you used to look up to the players that were in the first team then, and they were, um, there were a few actually. Joby McEnough, who was playing at the time, and he was obviously quite a young player that was playing, so I think all the younger boys looked up to him a lot. Um, Jason Punchin, was not he he played a couple of he played a couple of games for the first team I think but he um he was another young guy that all the young boys in our team used to look up to. Um Nigel Riacoca, he was he was there playing at Wimbledon at the time. Um I think he was a captain as well. Um yeah I'd say like those players were the players that we used to, you know, try and try and become. And when Wimbledon are on TV, or maybe even other first teams, um, are, you, are you able to watch games as a fan, or has it changed now that you're a player? Um, well, the, the, it was disappointing, really, because they dispatched, didn't they, and became MK Dons, and that was the year that I left. That was the year that, was the year that I left to join Arsenal because it was um, it was a bit too far to travel for my family at that age because it was in Milton Keynes, so. Kind of, yeah. I won't lie. I kind of, I kind of uh, faded away when uh, when they when they changed. I still I still follow up like MK's results, uh, not so much AFC's. Well, is, uh, is there a reason for that at all? Is it just you feel more my, of a connection to the people that are at MK Dons? Yeah. So because when when they changed, my brother stayed for a little bit at MK Dons. So he went, and I used to go and watch him. Um, when I joined Arsenal, I used to still go and watch him whenever I could. So that's probably why I still follow them more because, um, yeah, I never really had any ties, any more ties with, with AFC. And I kind of, when my brother went to, to MK, I used to, I used to go there to a couple of the games. So yeah, I, I suppose that's why I followed them more. Kieran's equaliser in the North London derby earlier in the season is seen by some fans as one of the most important goals of the campaign. And although he's been somewhat of a forgotten man at times, there's no doubt that he can still offer that attacking drive from left back when called upon. It's half time in this week's show, and so it's time for another history lesson. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George who can hit him. The 20th of April 1995, Arsenal beat Sampdoria 3-2 on penalties to reach a second successive European Cup Winners' Cup final. With the Gunners leading 4-3 on aggregate going into the last 10 minutes of the tie, Claudio Bellucci scored twice in three minutes to put the Gunners on the verge of elimination. But with just two minutes remaining, Stefan Schwartz sent the game to penalties. Schwartz. It's in! Quite amazing. Well, we were writing Arsenal's obituaries here. 
But this goal by Stefan Schwarz makes it five all on aggregate. With the tie level at five goals apiece, it was David Seaman's chance to be the hero and he did not disappoint, saving Sampdoria's opening two spot kicks. First to go for Sampdoria is Mihailovic. Really strong left-footed shot, but Seaman saved it! And Seaman's done it again from Jugovic. John Hartson and Tony Adams converted their penalties, but Eddie McGoldrick and Paul Merson failed from the spot, giving Attilio Lombardo the chance to send the game into sudden death. But Lombardo has to score to keep Sampdoria in it. David Seaman with two saves in the shootout already. Attilio Lombardo. And it's out! Seaman's kept it out! And the Arsenal celebrations can begin! Arsenal would go on to lose 2-1 to Real Varagotha in the final, courtesy of a last gas freak goal from former Tottenham midfielder Naim. But it was that night in Genoa that would go down as one of the finest in Gunners' European history. So that was a great semi-final win for Arsenal. And we'll talk about another one with our Arsenal insider next. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Arsenal ladies made it through to the FA Cup final on Sunday with a 7-0 thrashing of Sunderland. And I'm delighted to say that Kelly Smith joins us on the line now. Kelly, thanks so much for coming on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Always a pleasure, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very um, happy about yesterday's performance by the team. So um, we're delighted to have made Wembley. I mean, 7-0 is a wonderful scoreline against, let's be fair, a, a very good team as well. Just tell us a little bit about what went so right, hopefully. Um, I think the last few games we probably haven't started as well as we, we had wanted to. Uh, the first 15 minutes was kind of, of crucial for us because teams come and try and bully us. Um, so from the get-go, we kind of established that we needed to be a little bit more physical in our play and, and um, just earn the right to play kind of thing. So we just bat battled really hard and we stopped their main threat, Beth Mead, um, early on. And it gave us some confidence going into, into obviously the 20-minute mark. So uh, it wasn't a pretty first half, but at least um, um, you know we were able to get the result that we needed. It's an interesting point you raised there, Kelly, about almost earning the right, as you say, and setting your stall out in the game for then kind of future reward as the game goes on. And for you ladies and, and even for the men's team as well, it is a balance, isn't it, to try and get that platform before perhaps you really then start to, to open up that little bit and be a bit more expansive. Yeah, obviously, you know, as an Arsenal player and playing for the club for a number of years, we have a certain way of playing. And teams come and try and obviously stifle us and, and that's their game plan to really get in our head to be physical and try and knock our confidence a little bit. So I think obviously we've got some new players in, in the squad this year. So it's been a little bit difficult with them coming to terms with that side of the physical game. And then uh, once you establish yourself and, and not going to get beat mentality, then obviously um, you know, your football talent and composure comes into the game as you establish yourself. Um, you know, winning those headers, being physical, winning your one-on-one your -on -one battles. And then it enables you to build your confidence and then play play the Arsenal way. So we were able to do that. It was pleasing because 
as I said, the first couple of games this season, we, we have been outplayed in those minutes and struggled to get into the game. So um, I think yesterday was a, a real platform for us moving forward. Um, we've got a few more games now before Wembley. So yeah, it's going to be a tough game against Chelsea, obviously. They're uh, obviously neighbours, um, <laughs> but we're really, really looking forward to it. No, absolutely. And just something you mentioned in passing there, Kelly, about the squad being shaken up a bit over the past few seasons and into this season as well. But you look at this squad and its potential for this season, you must be very excited. Would it be up there in terms of one of the best squads that you've hopefully worked with here? Um, yeah, I'd, li I'd like to think that. Uh, the, the talent that we have on this team, you know, everyone's an established international. Um, so it's, it's the place is... Um, are up for grabs in terms of, you know, you don't want to lose your place kind of thing, so you have to put in these performances in order for Pedro not to drop you. Um, so even the bench is really strong this year. We've got international players on the bench, so it's a, certainly a tough job um, for Pedro to manage the players if they're not playing. Um, but likewise in training, you know, the training has really stepped up with the quality that we have. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to think that this is probably one of the best um, talented sides that we have, but it's OK having a talent side, but you have to go out and you have to get trophies for this club. Now, Alex Scott joined us on the Arsenal Weekly podcast a little earlier in the season and, and she said that Danielle van der Donk was, was the one to watch out for and she obviously scored a hat-trick during this 7-0 win. Uh, pretty useful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think she's kind of taken a few games just to settle in and uh, understand her role within the squad and, and how we like to play. But she certainly stepped up yesterday in the game. Um, and she brings composure to the side. She's so good technically on the ball. Um, she can see a pass. She can hold the ball up. She's very aggressive for, for such a slight player. And she's added some a different attacking dimension to our play. So, um, you know, she's missed out the last couple of games. She wasn't even in the squad for the last game. But now she's come on and, you know, stepped up to the side and scored Patrick and, and performed really well. So that's what you have to do um, when, you, when you're given your opportunity. And she's certainly taken that. Yeah, it's what every manager wants, isn't it? This competition for places of this kind of pedigree. Um, obviously, the league campaign has started relatively soon. We'll be into Europe later in the season with Arsenal defending champions of the Continental Cup. But just looking at the wider picture for a second, Kelly, fighting on a lot of fronts, but uh, hopefully a good degree of optimism there. Um, yeah, certainly. That's what we're, we're aiming for. We want to be league champions this year. Um, you know, it's, it was a tough start for us. We, we lost to Man City in a game um, of, of the season. Uh, we went a player down and then kind of backed against the wall. So we've got a massive game now against Chelsea on Thursday. We know that they obviously played 100, 120 minutes um, yesterday. So they're going to be a little bit leggy probably coming into this game. So it's a chance and an opportunity for... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Us to step, step up and pick up three points in the league. You know, you always want to beat the top teams in and around you, like Man City, Chelsea, just to keep you up, a, uh, up the top of the table. Um, but yeah, that's that's a goal of ours this year is to, is to win the league and try and get into Champions League football, which is which has eluded us the past couple of seasons. Chelsea being a little order for that cup final on the 14th of May. They're looking forward to that. It's going to be so great, isn't it, to, to go out at Wembley as well and, and just have that iconic opportunity once again, which for, for every player, isn't it, it's so special. Oh, my God, yeah, it's a, it's a dream to play at Wembley. I'm lucky enough to have played there um, for Great Britain in the Olympics against Brazil um, in front of 75,000. So to get that opportunity for, for, for myself and the club, um, to walk out at Wembley, being an Arsenal fan also, it'll be a dream come true. Um, you know, to walk up those stairs and lift that trophy if it happens um, will be amazing. I think between now and the 14th of May, I think all the girls are going to be training as hard as possible, putting themselves in the forefront of the, the manager's mind to try and make that small squad of 16 that, that um, has the cut for FA Cup. So um, all focuses now are obviously on the league game uh, this coming Thursday against Chelsea. We want to kind of set a stall out and try and win that game and get in their heads probably for for the game at Wembley. Um, so, yeah, it's a massive, massive game for the women's game and, and for Arsenal. And just as we let you go, Kelly, obviously, without dwelling on it too much, you've had 10 months out injured on the sidelines and obviously that must have been difficult. So does that make it all the more special that you're back, you're playing, you're in form again and, and there's all of this to hopefully look forward to? Yeah, massively. Obviously, 10 months out is a long time. It's a really difficult time emotionally for, for me to sustain that injury, um, another serious injury where I needed surgery. So I've really fought back and got myself uh, fit again. And to, to reach Wembley, uh, to score the goal against Knox County in, in the previous round was really uh, quite an emotional time for me because I wanted to get back. And, and the goal was uh, to try and get to Wembley um, with the team. And we've managed to do that, but I'm not happy with that. We want to win this win the trophy for the club um, and that's certainly what we're going to try and do. Well, Kelly, all the very, very best for that huge game at Wembley in a few weeks and, of course, for the upcoming league fixtures starting later this week as well. And uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. On Access Arsenal, we go behind the curtain and find out a bit more about the goings-on within the club. And this week, we've got one of the unsung heroes on the podcast. It's Reese Watson, who's on the grounds crew here at the Emirates Stadium. Reese, 
Good to see you, mate. Thank you for coming on to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for welcoming me on here. No, good to have you on. Nicely branded in your Arsenal garb, which we like <laughs> as well. Um, we've got to start, I think, and you know, we all get to see it, either as fans, as journalists or, or whatever, of the, the carpet-like appearance of, of the Arsenal pitch here. Um, just tell us a bit about what the maintenance is like and what it takes to, to do that week in, week out, and obviously sometimes twice a week. Uh, yes, it's, it's pretty, pretty intense. Uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress involved in the job. Um, but no, um, we're, we're pleased that things have gone quite well uh, with the pitch over the years. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of hours. And uh, I, I think some fans don't really, they just think it's uh, <laughs> cutting the grass and uh, the players turn up, play on it, and we cut it again and it's ready for the next game. But no, a lot of... Uh, a lot of research, a lot of hard work, hard graft goes into it to get it uh, uh, the presentation of what, what you see on a match day. So. so when you say hard work, and obviously it is, what exactly do you mean? What would be kind of like a day's work, say on a non-match day, as, you, as you're making sure yeah, that the okay. pitch is what it should be? Well, I've, like um, we obviously had a game at the weekend. Um, so the next two days after a game, we're, we're just constantly going over it with forks. Um, repairing all the damage so any um, slide tackles any like heavy footprints or anything we're repairing straight away because um, the quicker we repair it the the better it's going to be um, for the next match then we kind of concentrate on the plant health so it sounds a bit funny but the plant actually gets stressed and bruised after a game um, it's not just you stressed it <laughs> no <laughs> um, so it's kind of giving the plant all the nutrients it needs to then kick on again and repair itself and uh um, get back to, to full fitness for the next game, let's say. And then, um, then it's all about putting the presentation into the, the nice stripes that the fans get to see and it looks good on TV and stuff like that. It's more the presentation towards, towards the next game. And then um, on the match day, we'll be painting the white lines and um, getting everything tidied up and... Yeah, concentrating about the presentation more than more than mm. anything else. Very interesting. I suppose, Reese, as well, with Arsenal's own specific brand of football as well, which is generally a, a passing, fluid, entertaining style, the pitch is all the more important for a club who play in that way as well. Yes, definitely, yeah. Um, like when we've liaised with Arsenal in the past, we, we kind of know um, the football that he wants to play, the, the speed that they want to play. So we try our utmost to to give the players that quickness of pitch. Um, we also try and make the pitch to, a, to kind of an extent where they can use 100% of their capabilities every game, which mm. is quite difficult, especially in adverse weather conditions in the winter and in the summer when the pitch is drying out after 20 minutes. It's very hard to keep it exactly the same, but we try and give them that same pitch, the same speed, the same consistency every game throughout the season. Um, and that's, that's kind of what the players expect and that's what Arsenal expects. And, yeah, we, we give it to them to an extent the best we can. We, we do try our best, yeah. Um, now, you've been at the club for pretty much 10 years. So we look at the, the move from the old Highbury across the road to here at the Emirates Stadium. And, and that's kind of when you came in, in yeah. preparation for and, and during that move. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a, well, a very exciting time for the club to move over to, to the new stadium. Um, and for the ground staff itself as well, because we were involved in the, uh, the actual design of the stadium, how the roof is designed, because it slopes towards the pitch, so we let in more sunlight. We also have gaps in the corners, which lets in more air, which pushes it down to, 
to pitch level, which is very important for growing grass. Um, our store and stuff, we used to work out of a like a double garage of Highbury, so you'd always <laughs> need the bit of kit at the back of the garage, so you'd have to get all the kit out. And now we, we've been able to specify what what kind of store we would need for the machinery and stuff like that. So it's it's a much nicer environment to work, but obviously we everyone misses Highbury. It was a, a very special special place um, to go to work to, but yeah, no, um, for us the Emirates has been a has been great to come to. Don't get me wrong. Just finishing off with a couple of broader questions with you then as a long-term Arsenal employee now. What would you say is your favourite or or one of your favourite moments working here at the club? What really stands out for you? Um, I'd probably say the FA Cup parade last year. Um, I went to the uh, parade with my girlfriend and our um, six-month-year-old daughter. Um, and the lead car was driving with the two buses behind it with Gunnosaurus in the back. And uh, my friend, who's um, head of security here at the Emirates, Andy, um, was driving the car and he saw me in the crowd uh, and I was obviously waving and stuff. And he uh, asked me to come into the car. So uh, I jumped over the fence, um, got into the car, I looked back, my girlfriend's kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, so I, I led the parade uh, in the leading car. And uh, yeah, to see all the fans' faces and see how much it meant to them. And uh, it was a really special moment for me. And it kind of like thought, yeah, that's, that's why we do what we do and the hours that we do and the effort we make for these, these people. And it, it was a real special moment. Obviously, when I got back two hours later, I had a lot of groveling to do. But, Are you in the good books yet? You know, sort of uh, just the about, best part of a year yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, okay. I've just about won it back. But, but no, I'd say just, just that experience was a real special moment. Obviously, you have great moments with the big games and, and everything, but that was kind of like a bit of a change and something that I don't think many people will ever experience. So I, was, I, was, I felt very lucky to be in that that situation. I think you pretty much answered what was going to be my final question as well, which is what's the best thing about being part of the Arsenal family and maybe that, that kinship and that responsibility and that two-way relationship with the fans is, is probably a key part of that at least. Uh, massive, yeah. Um, and it's something that all the staff realises as well. And I think um, the staff in general at Arsenal, we, everyone does care about the club and they, a lot a lot go the extra mile, which I don't think you'd normally get in any other association, um, just because they love the club and they want to drive the club forward and make the club succeed. Um, so yeah, it's, it's being a bit a part of that and you know, it, it's a very special club to be a part of, even when results don't go our way on the pitch, but the whole, the whole way everything's done is, is um, something that everyone can be very proud of and, and I'm proud of being a part of it anyway. Reese Watson, thanks so much for coming in. Of course, part of the grounds crew here at the Emirates Stadium. Great to have you on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast as part of Access Arsenal. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Adrian Clark will be in the host chair for the Gunners' trip to the Stadium of Light to face Sunderland on Sunday. And lucky man, he'll be alongside me on Thursday night as well for the game against West Bromwich Albion here at the Emirates. So a double game week. And then we look ahead to all of it now with Adrian, who joins us. So Adrian, how's it going, my friend? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. All good. Yeah, little one is nearly two weeks old yeah, now. You're looking a bit tired, but not too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, slightly sleep deprived. But um, I mean, you're still watching plenty of football, so life's good. Hopefully your performance won't be inhibited and let's hope it's the same for the Gunners. As I mentioned, big two games ahead. It's a big 
weak in the fact that Arsenal just need to restore morale and self-belief. I do think that, that the title dream is over now. Let's, let's be honest. I think it probably was before last weekend's result and the one-all draw with Palace has, has finished that. But there's work to do. It's very, very important that Arsenal stay in the top four. And I think that they can realistically strive for second place. They can look to push on and, and, and make sure they don't have to qualify for next season's Champions League. So there's really important on these two games. They're matches that on paper they should win and let's hope that they can deliver because this is a talented group of players that are just going through a slightly difficult time. Mm, so Arsenal four points clear of Man United in fifth. I guess that is the absolute baseline concern, isn't it? And then level in third and as you say, Tottenham still within striking distance. Uh, yeah, a, a lot to play for. I think it's worth looking upwards. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's time to get too worried about Man United or West Ham, but you need that in the back of your mind. You need it to push you on just so you don't relax too much and think, oh, the season's over. It's really important. And I think a top three finish, although it's disappointing because we all wanted the title this year, a top three finish is, is still respectable. It's still You're still above some big teams in the likes of Man United, possibly Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. So so that's something to hold on to. And, and that has to be a target. You've always got to set yourself targets. It was the title. The next target now has to be runners-up or third at worst. Mm. So looking to these games specifically, we'll do a question on each. Mm. We'll start with West Brom on Thursday and what a strange weekend coming in for them. A home defeat to Watford but that barely tells the story, does it? Two missed penalties <laughs> and both from the same player inside of Badajinia. Yeah, it's not ideal for him, is it? I mean, had a bit of a nightmare. It's not been his year, is it, inside of no. Badajinia? Because <laughs> it's safe to say. But typically though, he has lots of form, doesn't he? And, he mm. does, he does and he's, he's a dangerous player. Hopefully not Thursday. No, well I look at the West Brom team and he is the guy that you, you, you're probably most worried about. Not a big fan of Tony Pulis or, or, or his football. Like he's, he's achieved a lot, and, and credit to him for that. But they're pretty dire to watch West Brom and Albion, and um, they will look to grind it out here at Emirates Stadium. We know what to expect. They'll play with probably four centre halves, two or three defensive midfielders. They'll, they'll, in effect, they'll try and do what Crystal Palace did. Uh, they won't hold too much of a threat on the break, although Rondon and Berahino offer a menace in that department. They'll play for set plays. That's what they do. Very rarely do they score from open play. So, so if Arsenal can avoid giving too many free kicks and corners away and when they do concentrate hard on them, they should, and I'm saying this, they really should keep a clean sheet. With Kelly Smith on the Arsenal Weekly podcast a few minutes before you, Clarkie, and she was talking about how with the ladies' team, but also for the men as well, it's all about earning the right to play in the first few minutes of a game and then the kind of Arsenal way can flow and be more effective naturally. And obviously they beat Sunderland 7-0, so that went pretty <laughs> well for that. But she said even that, the first few minutes, it was about doing that. And for West Brom at home and also for Sunderland away, that's very important, isn't it? Every match that you play, no matter what level you're at, that is important. It's an old cliche, but it, but it, it holds true. It really does. And I, I felt that Arsenal in the last game against Crystal Palace, just started too slowly. The tempo wasn't right. And even though they got the noses in front eventually, it didn't set the tone for a really good display. So, so yeah, I think fast starts are important. Really make life uncomfortable for these teams struggling towards the bottom half of the table. 
put them on the back foot, and, and then, then you can enjoy yourself. We saw that against Watford when, when they blitzed them early on, and then they could really cut loose in, in, the, in the second half, and I hope to see that in these two games. And just looking at Sunderland for a specific question as well, massive, massive win for them against Norwich away last weekend. Obviously, Newcastle winning as well, and Norwich, by definition, being sucked a little bit back more in. Two of those three must go, so my goodness, have they got something to play for in front of their home crowd as yeah, well. Yeah, it will be a passionate atmosphere at the Stadium of Light and this is a difficult match for Arsenal, no question about that. They're pumped up now, they're starting to believe and at the moment, the Sunderland midfield is functioning beautifully. Really impressed with Kirchhoff and Villa and Catamol. Those three guys are playing ever so well, so it's imperative that Coquelin, Elneny and Ozil too win that battleground. Because if they don't, Sunderland could get themselves into the final third and really get, get their strikers involved, the likes of Defoe and Barini, who are, who are starting to find form. So they've got to be at it in this match. And given the fact that this is Arsenal's only fish to fry now, will we see much squad rotation? And, and if so, where? And, and who do we think will probably play all the games and be <laughs> pivotal figures? I wonder if, for example, the likes of Alexis will play all of these matches. I would like Alexis to play all the matches because he's playing well. I think it's as simple as that. When players are in form, and he is in form, he's scoring goals looking our most likely creative player, I think then, then he has to play. This is as simple as that. There might be rotation up front because I think centre-forwards sometimes work best when they're fresh. And Danny Welbeck maybe has had a little bit of a dip, even though produced a cracking assist in that game against uh, Crystal Palace. I could maybe see Giroud get in the game. Aaron Ramsey, I think, will probably come back Definitely. in. And I wouldn't be upset to see a recall for, for Per Mertesacker. I think he's been missed a little bit the last couple of games. So, so if we are to see rotation, I expect it to be on Thursday. And depending on how that team gets on, We'll see, we'll see a, a similar lineup, I guess, at the weekend. And in a sentence, this is a proper challenge for you because it's two answers in one, but still in one sentence. Yeah. How do Arsenal get six points by the end of this coming weekend? I'm actually going to give you one sentence for a change here, which you'll be delighted about. Um, to get six points, Arsenal need to play at pace. It's as simple as that. He is Adrian Clark, and Adrian will be part of the Match Day show covering both of these matches on Arsenal.com and the Arsenal mobile app this week. Tune in from 7.15pm UK time on Thursday and then 1.35pm on Sunday for all the build-up and then a double uninterrupted audio commentary. That's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Kieran Gibbs, Kelly Smith, Reese Watson and Adrian Clark for their contributions today. And remember, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and you'll never miss another new show. We're back on Monday, the 25th of April. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.